1: From the Cookout Pod World Headquarters. This is the Carolina Insider from Learfield. We are back. It's another edition of the Carolina Insider. Jones and Adam here with you. Adam, before you even say anything, I'm going to this. What's up?
2: Is that an actual weather reference or is that a reference to something else?
1: That's just uh, my general my general being, Adam.
2: That's not really true.
1: <laughs> I was I
2: was gonna tell you that before before you go too far down Pod Lane, yeah, you should transport yourself right. to a magical place I like to call Friday.
1: Oh well I'm gonna tell you something. Friday was a good day for the Toriels. I feel like Rebecca Black's going to have to bring us in every Friday pod from now on. We can't break yep. the mojo.
2: Yeah, that's obviously what did it.
1: Yeah, I think I, I think that is established at this point.
2: If we had done the pod on Friday, if we had recorded it on Friday, yeah. what percent of what we had recorded would have actually made it to air?
1: It would have just been me talking, and then <laughs> you'd have said things like, let me tell you something. And then it would <laughs> then I'd have to edit all of that out. And then it would be me talking again. And it, it was, so the whole pod would have been like six minutes. And it wouldn't make any sense because it would just be me like talking in random sentences between each other.
2: Jones, Big Grits <laughs> just sent me this picture of this shirt. And we're going to put it on our Instagram <laughs> so everybody else can enjoy it.
1: Yeah. So thank goodness that didn't happen.
2: What a great pod it would have been.
1: I tell you what, man, we've got a lot to talk about. we are gonna we got to talk about the NCAA decision. Yeah. Adam and I are going to do this in an under-control <laughs> and professional manner.
2: It should be noted that Jones said that while <laughs> like, looking like the teacher at the front of the class when she's like, I'm going to be out tomorrow,
1: <laughs> and I know you're all going to behave for the substitute. Um, we are going to look back at this game against Virginia and going to look back at late night as well, but Adam, I, I mean, we can't start anywhere else other than the NCAA decision. Um, there are a lot of things to talk about with this, but I think we'll start with simply the fact that this was the the ultimate ruling was what Carolina had been arguing for a long time. I mean, it had been Carolina's argument in this particular case forever. It feels like, and that is this that the Tariels and by the Tariels I mean the University of North Carolina long ago accepted the responsibility that there were some classes that did not meet the level of academic rigor that is expected at the University of North Carolina long ago that was accepted um the Tariels as a university were put on probation by their accredi- accrediting agency went through that year of probation I can't remember when it was, 15 maybe, I think, and are now, and, and so got through that portion, which was what the University of North Carolina felt like the proper channels to go through as far as some kind of overriding body that would have something to say about what happened. Carolina, as a university itself, put, you know the number by now, more than 70 different Uh, new processes in place to try and safeguard against something like this happening in the future. People athletically, people academically have lost their jobs. After all of that, UNC, Carolina, felt as though it had gone through the, the necessary processes internally, externally to move past this situation and that the NCAA really had no jurisdiction on what was going on which ultimately after nearly a decade they decided was the case too.
2: Think of how much time yes and money wasted and hours of people's lives hours days, months years years of people's lives was spent working on this yeah just imagine it it's a lot oh yeah for for the decision to ultimately be kind of what you said it was when you started spending your time and money and hours working on it right and here's something that i find to be frustrating And this is not uh, something the NCAA did, but is uh, like uh, a national perception from some idiots, people, people from some people. It's not correct to say, oh, look at all these cheating Carolina fans cheated and got away with it. And they're so happy that they cheated and they they got away with it because they're a big fat bunch of cheaters. And that's all they are is cheaters. And they're happy to be cheaters. That's not it the reason everyone was so happy was because of some of these very same people spending so long telling everyone how they viewed it right without really basing it on what people around here said were the facts but Carolina fans got tired yes of these people telling them how it was when these people didn't ever set foot in Orange County or read one document. But they read 140 characters on Twitter, and that made them an expert. And now they're going to broadcast from their positions of power that they know how it is and how you ought to feel about it.
1: That's one thing that really has rubbed me the wrong way, is how everybody else tells Carolina fans how they should feel. No, no one needs or wants to hear that. Nor is it really your... I'm not saying you're Adam Lucas's place. Right. You're the general you not really your place to tell to tell them how to feel because long and to somehow have this suggestion that people who love the University of North Carolina or Carolina Athletics were not in some way disappointed by what happened or embarrassed or whatever words you want to use but it got past that and it got past that one because of the time frame people are past it but secondarily because somehow, along this long journey, this became about one thing. For some reason, taking a national championship away from Carolina basketball. I don't know how it got to that point. I don't know why it got to that point. I don't know when the the, the pivot point during this whole thing was that, that led it towards this. But somehow, it all came down to that for most people outside of Carolina. That somehow this was going to be the only just thing that could happen. And this would be the only thing that could happen that would, you know, quote-unquote, put the Tariels in their place or make them pay a penalty. Would somehow be that. And I don't know how it got to that point. But those two, the, the two things aren't together. They never were. And ultimately, as we now all know, and except they're not. They're not. These aren't related issues. And so did Carolina fans have a almost a cathartic release on Friday? Yes. You know why? Because they're tired of hearing about it. They're tired of talking about it. They're tired of their Friends who like other schools ask talking about it or rubbing it in their face. And Bubba Cunningham and Carol Fult were exactly right. It was not a day for celebration to just act like you got away with something because that was never what it was about. But it was a day to be happy that it's done. That you can be happy about. You can be happy that now you don't have to look back. And your piece on GoHeels.com on Friday was perfect. You, you don't have to that that's over there's no overriding but anymore when you finish a sentence there's no overriding uh everybody always said dark cloud that's gone and that is worth celebrating
2: i got some tweets and i know you did too from our friends at other institutions saying things to the effect of well you don't even feel bad that you're a bunch of big fat cheaters i did feel bad in 2012 right and then it was addressed to my satisfaction And I feel like those things were put into place to close those loopholes. But you're right. I don't feel bad about it now in 2017. Right. Because it's not my job to sit here and throw myself on a bed of spikes for something that I didn't do. But this certainly was at the school I love seven years ago. That's when I felt bad. That's when I felt bad. I don't feel bad right now. Joel Berry wasn't in college. You want to go to Joel Berry and go, Joel Berry, you're a big fat cheater and you don't deserve to go to the tournament. Yes, he does. What What did he do that makes you say he doesn't deserve to go to the tournament? What did Joel Berry do?
1: Beat your team. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> Win a championship. He was a lot cooler than you. Be awesome. One thing that has... So I don't know if surprise is the right word. The absolute vitriol towards Carolina.
2: Yeah. I love it.
1: I kind of think I I kind of think it's galvanized Carolina even more. Yes, I agree. I think it's brought Carolina fans together even more than it not that they were ever fractured in any way. Although in 2010, I do think there was some fracture yes. in the fan base. Yeah, because people didn't agree with the way certain things had been handled, and you know there were very strong opinions and arguments on all sides of of the initial beginning of all of this. Um, and I do think there was a little bit of fracturing there. But I think, kind of the outside, ignorant anger. And I used the word ignorant in the actual definition of the word in meaning that it coming to some kind of conclusion without really knowing all of the facts, not knowing enough about it, but coming to this conclusion and anger towards UNC and towards Carolina. I think all of that has brought Carolina closer together internally, and I think it's brought it closer together as far as externally. And by externally, I mean the fan base and then internally, I mean the coaches, the athletes, the administrators, all of that.
2: It felt so much better than I thought it was going to. I I think I underestimated how good it was going to feel to be done.
1: Well, I think Larry Fedora said it well on, the, it was the post game on Saturday. He said, you know what, I'm kind of, he's like, I've just been numb to it at this. It, it's like, it. that's right. It was just kind of the way that it was because it's been that way for so long. So it isn't necessarily that you and I or any other Carolina fan was walking around thinking about it every second of the day because that wasn't the case but it had just become part of the reality of of Carolina athletics for the last several years it just had been and so I, I thought that was a good way to put it for Larry he was just kind of numb to it that it was just oh yeah well of course that's there because it's there and then when it's not there whoo baby <laughs> I like that better <laughs> what incredible work
2: by the people who actually did have to spend all their time doing it. That's right. And I don't think we'll ever know all the, well, well, some of it. I mean, we've seen the bills certainly. Um, But the the folks who spent every hour of every day doing that and probably felt like it would never end, it paid off. And that was some good work. So thank you.
1: Another thing that has frustrated, I think, a lot of Carolina fans is this whole idea that the Tar Heels were not punished in some way.
0: Yeah. Af- athletically.
1: Now, I mean, we already went through earlier on the university-wide side of it. I mean, ask Larry Fedora. Ask Roy Williams. Ask Anson Dorrance. Ask Mike Fox if, if they've been punished for this. Because I mean, Larry Fedora has never, he's never once, my guess, gone into a recruit's home since he's been the head coach here. Never once has he been able to go into a recruit's home and not have to defend himself first before he could start talking about all the things he thought that person could accomplish at Carolina, how they would fit all those normal recruiting type of things. um ask them if they haven't been punished. This is crazy to me to accept to somehow think that that nothing negative happened towards Carolina Athletics because of this.
2: I think it's so ridiculous that everyone would have a big problem if we were to identify schools that were going into kids homes and saying I don't know if this is a fact, but I heard Roy Williams has got a heart condition. And he's probably not going to be the coach past next year. Right. Probably not going to be there. That's just what I heard. I don't know if it's true. Everyone would think that was low. They have no problem that countless schools have told countless players in countless sports, I mean, you can go there, but you probably won't play in the tournament because they're probably going to get hit. Right. I, I don't know if that's true, but I heard they're going to get hit hard.
1: Right.
2: Schools have been saying that. For more than one four-year cycle, and you know what I would say to that, Jones? Take a look at that banner. <laughs> That's what I would say.
1: Um, all right. I I would just want to read this one thing, and then uh, then we are going to uh, move on. I want to talk about late night first. Before, yeah. we, before we get to football, um, Adam of. Everything that I enjoyed in your column on Friday night, it was this sentence that I, or this set of sentences that I appreciated the most. Where it said, some people can't let go because it's too important to them, which is a nice little compliment if you think about it. They'll never get past this. It will always be October 12th to them. But it's October 13th. There are seven national championship banners hanging in the Smith Center, a tribute that will last forever to the players and coaches who earned them. Yeah. Every part of that is exactly correct. Good job writing, Adam. (laughs) (laughs) I feel, you know who else I feel really good for is Roy Williams. And I think, I don't know this because I haven't asked him. He was pretty emotional on Friday night. Mm -hmm. And I think he was going to be emotional anyway because they were dropping the banner. He's, all you know, beginning of the season, new guys, Kennedy Meeks and Nate Britt were there. I mean, just, he was going to be emotional anyway. But when he walked out and got a standing ovation, when he wasn't – and he hates being introduced. He hates – because I do it a lot. He hates people listing his accomplishments before he gets up to speak. But see, now, at this event, he couldn't do anything about it because they were listing his accomplishments. He wasn't going to say anything. He was just going to stand there and wave, and he couldn't get out of the way. I think – I just think it was a special night for him. Maybe a little little more special for him because – and I don't. He he never. He, he will likely never say it publicly. I bet he felt a little personally vindicated that day too. Had to have.
2: He has to have. It was like the perfect hurricane of emotion for Roy Williams. You got championship banner, team he loves. Some of the seniors came back. His new grandson's there, yep. and he got to hold him right before he got introduced. Yep. All the people he cared about, pretty much in the whole wide world, were there. The place was full, which he loves and appreciates. Yep. And that's a night he likes. Like, he likes late night. That's why it exists, because he likes it. Right. And so it was just the perfect set of circumstances for him. And I want to tell you, when my man Kenny the Jet was introducing him, I was sitting next to my wife. And as he got to the part about it, and our coach, Roy Williams, I looked at her and I was going to say, that was really good. And she goes, I got goosebumps. I got goosebumps right now talking about it. It was good.
1: Kenny Smith was good. He was he was good.
2: And it and it wasn't just him. It was the way people reacted
1: to mm-hmm. it.
2: And it was like they – because, I mean, he gets introduced as Smith Center all the time. You're in North Carolina Torios, Heels coached by Roy Williams. Oh, okay, fine. Right. It wasn't that. It was Roy Williams and people – because you know, there's this weird thing with Roy Williams where we're not allowed to like him too much because he's not Dean Smith. Right. So we can't, like, fully love him because he's not quite that. But that was one of the first and only times it was full-on love, we appreciate you, three championships, this has been a good day, let's all get together and be happy. And that just doesn't happen that much. And I think he kind of felt that too.
1: So, low many weeks ago, we discussed how they should drop the banner. I thought it was awesome. Yeah. I thought one of the really uh, amazing parts about it was normally, because there was the the video beforehand. Normally, when you run that video, and this is, I'm not, just like in general, when you run a video like this, you would expect like a bunch of oohs and ahs and big pops when like Isaiah Isaiah Hicks dunking on somebody and here's. Isaiah Hicks again making a big shot. Here's Luke Mays' shot against Kentucky. Normally, you get like a a swell of a reaction when that happens. And that didn't happen very much, if at all, during that video. Which is unique, but I think it's because everybody was so lost in the emotion of the moment. And that wasn't just the guys on the floor, the team, and the coaches. It was everybody in the whole building was. And that doesn't happen very often.
2: No. And I think, too, I think people were kind of caught between watching the video and watching the guys watch the video. Right. Because watching the guys watch the video was almost as good as the video, and the video couldn't have been any better. But to see how they interacted with each other, I mean, I think that was yet another reminder as if anyone really needed it. Those guys really love each other. That team really loves each other. And you can't. Don't assume, we talk about this every year, but just because you have some of the same guys back, you don't necessarily get that same feeling. Even though you got Joel Berry and Theo Pinson, and they're great senior leaders and all that, there's no guarantee they're going to recreate what that team had. Sure. Because it's all individual to each team, to each group, and so you got to really appreciate it when they have it, and that team did. I mean, you got Kennedy Meeks up there, and we all know how he feels but when they talked about Joe Barry being the MVP and having his jersey in the rafters, Kennedy Meeks was one of the primary ones leading the cheers and clapping and smiling and giving him a big hug. I mean, that could well be his jersey up there, and he doesn't get another chance. Right. But he was willing to do that right then, which I think says a lot about him and about just the team as a whole. And you just you can't you can't be assured you're going to have that every time. And it was special to have it last year. There were grown men in tears during that video. Just just like random fans.
1: Yeah. His name was Adam Lucas. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. The (laughs) random fan named Adam Lucas. And you know what was so good about the video? Was it wasn't... There weren't, like, a bunch of, like, awesome transitions and super cool effects. Right. It was a great song. Yep. The song made it for what it was for with just highlights and but and you know there was no radio call there was no tv call there was no natural sound it was just the perfect song for that moment for that video with highlights um to go through it it was awesome it and was I, awesome
2: i think the song was made even more perfect by that day yeah it, oh yeah
1: that hold that was the perfect
2: cap to that day we've been kicked around down long enough and we about to rise up <laughs> <laughs> north carolina wave your shirt around your head like a helicopter that's right or that's that's raise up
1: different we're different. gonna do that too though. yeah probably probably a few people did do that yeah the i was sitting in the stands with uh with my two kids and uh i can guarantee you the bros behind me probably had either done it before the <laughs> before they got there or they were gonna do it later <laughs> that night I think. um uh, i've gotten a lot of questions about whether or not that video is going to be available online think the issue with this is a music rights issue that carolina can't throw it up on youtube for example now the unc basketball account did put out a video kind of to your point that was almost like a split screen of um what was the the close-up of the guys as they watched the banner drop you did get to see it and there are a couple bootleg versions out there of people who had like recorded it with their phone like recorded the actual screen in the smith center with their phones or whatever and have put it out so it's out there um my guess is that it will not be made available by carolina due to the music rights issues and they don't want to mess with that
2: i'm gonna tell you what i don't know what it costs to get rights to a song <laughs> who sings that song rachel Platten or something
1: no uh keep going i'll tell you in a second
2: i bet you we could start a gofundme page to get the rights for that video to put it on youtube for people to watch any day they feel terrible and we would have that thing funded by the end of the week
1: Andra Day. So I wasn't anywhere same. close. No, is the uh, completely is the wrong. Yes,
2: I, someone needs to call her and say, <laughs> "Excuse wh- me, Miss Day. What's it going to take, Miss Day? What's it going to take, <laughs> what take to put you in this car? To put you in this video?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. What's it going to take for you to drive away in this beautiful new car today? <laughs> I can. I'll go back and see my manager. We'll see.
2: One of my favorite parts of late night is when they have the actual basketball. Yeah, and a. Everybody starts leaving.
1: Yeah, you're spent at that point.
2: And B, the people who stay then make wild proclamations about what's going to happen
1: during the season. Well, good news, Adam. Let's make some wild proclamations. <laughs> off. Um, you know, I honestly, and I didn't even see all of it. I probably saw the first five to ten minutes of the of the scrimmage. Um, and then, of course, kind of what you saw from throughout when they were doing the, the shots stuff and all that kind of fun stuff. Um, Cameron Johnson's good. Yeah. He can he can shoot. I, I think Cameron Johnson is going to be a pleasant addition to the Tariels this year.
2: I think he, and we talked about it at the time, I think he takes Carolina from, uh eh, it's kind of a quote unquote rebuilding year, like Sweet 16 would be great. Right. To, I could seriously think about the Final Four if everything breaks right. right. That's the kind of difference he makes, and that's a big difference. And,. Can he do all the other stuff? Can he rebound a little bit? Can he play defense? Hopefully, and hopefully he'll figure that out. But for sure, he can
1: shoot. Yes, um, Jaleek Felton had a splashy play or two uh, you know, during the scrimmage as well. Um, clearly, a skilled guy. I mean, he just—he just looks like a basketball. I don't know how other way to say. It. I mean, he just looks so comfortable with a basketball in his hand on the court. It just looks like that's what he was meant to do.
2: I think the thing to remember with him is that's his environment. 15 minutes of pickup, right? which is basically what that was. Is he going to be able to do it in three- or four-minute bursts with Roy Williams paying attention to him and not paying attention to his grandkid? That's that's a whole different thing. Yeah, It was really fun, though. Um, Raymond Felton's dad was there and was sitting kind of across the aisle and got a chance to talk to him because he used to come to every game when yep. Raymond was here. And uh, he was funny talking about, I can't believe I'm doing this again. And it's definitely different this time around. Uh, but it was nice, too, to hear him say um, he and Mrs. Felton get up to Oklahoma City five or six times. They hope this year to see Raymond and said Raymond's really liking it um, and a a good change for him from Los Angeles. They think
1: couple just other thoughts. Um, I mean, Joe Barry, Theo Pence. I think, you know, you know what you have with those guys at this point, And that's good. Um, but this is this is. That's not fun to talk about this time of year when you know you've got really good high level ACC players. You want to talk about all the new stuff. Um, I thought Andrew Playtech, Andrew Playtech knows how to play basketball.
2: That's exactly what I was going to say. I, I
1: mean, get out of my head, Jones. <laughs> I can see why Roy Williams would like Andrew Playtech because he's going to do stuff that helps you be successful as a team. I, I can just, you, you can tell he's a smart basketball player.
2: Yeah, he made some plays. Even in even in that scenario. Right, which you wouldn't expect to be his thing. Right. And that's what was kind of a little bit eyebrow-raising, just because we've seen him play some over the summer and thought, eh, he's fine. But he just made some plays that were instinctive that kind of made you go, hmm, all right. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where he fits in. And I think people underestimate things like athleticism. Right. I mean, he did finish second in the mile run. Yeah, he, He's not slow. He's not unathletic. He's not going to jump over you, but he has the physical skills to play.
1: And then you got all the big guys. And, you know, I think you saw... I think you saw a couple good things from these guys, and I think you saw that they're still very raw in some parts. Um, and none of those guys are going to be able to come in and play at a high level every single time of every single game this year. It's just not going to happen. But I think if you can get stretches of positive play from all of them and those stretches get a little longer and more consistent as the year goes along, I think those guys can help you. I mean, and they're – I would say they're big. I mean, Sterling Manley is big. Brandon Huffman is big. Um, Garrison Brooks actually maybe not as big as – in my head, but I think you can see the role that he can fill also. Um, So I think it's important to remember that these guys are not Sean May. They are not Tyler Hansbro, They're not Kennedy Meeks, but I think they can all, they can all do, they can all do something that will be beneficial.
2: Maybe it's just the initials, but does Brandon Huffman remind me just a little bit of freshman Brendan Haywood?
1: He well, I will say this: I think a little bit in that he's a big guy. Obviously, I think he—you can tell—he has a bigger personality, and he just likes to dunk it when he's around the rim. I mean, he is very aware of what he is good at, and that is yeah. protecting the rim and dunking the ball.
2: Yeah, no and f- that's fine. No if f- those are two flitters. things,
1: yeah, if those are two things I was good at, I'd love to do that.
2: Yeah. Well, and that was the thing about Haywood that I think people forget about him was how good he was defensively in blocking shots. And so if Brandon Huffman could be some percentage of that this year, that's exactly what Carolina needs. They need somebody to stand there and guard the rim. So if he could do that and then also dunk one or two a game, I think he's doing just what you need him to do. He did, Something about the way he moves or his gait or something Reminds when he was out there, I thought he kind of reminds me of Brendan Haywood. Which, by the way, Jones, one of the greatest stories ever is Phil Ford talking about Brendan Haywood after Brendan Haywood made it to the NBA. And I mean, everybody knows how jovial Phil Ford is. So you have to imagine this in your jovial Phil Ford storytelling voice. So Phil Ford went to dinner with uh, Brendan Haywood after Brendan Haywood had been in the league for like eight years or something. (laughs) They they, uh, Brendan ordered a salad and the the waiter said, uh, yes, sir. Uh, Would you like croutons on that? And Brendan goes, eh, is that going to cost extra? And the waiter goes, yeah, it's fifty. And Brendan was like, eh, that's all right, I'm fine. And Phil goes, he's so tight, he could rub the buffalo off a nickel. <laughs> Spring for the croutons. Just go ahead and do it.
1: I never get croutons. I don't like croutons. It's only
2: $1. fifty, Jones. It's fine. I
1: don't like them. Well. I'm not gonna pay. I'm with you, Brendan. I'm not paying a buck fifty for something I don't want. <laughs> All right. Adam, any other uh any other thoughts about late night before we move on?
2: It was a fun night. Great crowd. It was a good. Great crowd. crowd. Yeah. It was packed.
1: Orioles in and Virginia on Saturday in Keenan Stadium. And Adam, I think a couple different things. One just when you're not getting the breaks. You're not getting them, and there were the two instances late in the game where MJ Stewart is like half a yard out of bounds, and he just instinctually tries to go pick up the fumble. I mean, he was not doing anything wrong, and he would have taken it to the house for a touchdown. But he was out of bounds when, when he touched it, and if Carolina had been five and one instead of one and five going to that game, he'd have been inbounds. I don't magically somehow he'd have been inbounds and he'd have scooped it up and run it back for a touchdown. And then the the total missed call on the sack of Brandon Harris and look we I said it at the time it's not the reason that Tar Heels lost the game and you know the officials in hindsight you would hope would feel very bad about missing this call because they they don't want to miss a call like that but it was the most important play of the game and they missed it I mean Brandon Harris got grabbed by his face mask it should have been a penalty it should have put Carolina at the. It would have been first and ten at the twenty-two yard line with like a minute left, and you have a timeout. So I mean, a very winnable situation. That's not. Who knows what would have happened? I'm not saying Carolina somehow deserved to win, but they deserve to have the chance first and ten from the twenty-two yard line. Um, and I was I, I was talking on on the air and said that same thing about the officials about you know you know they want to get it right. And Brian Simmons made a good. He said, you know what, that's right. He said, but you expect the players to perform at the highest level. You expect your coach to coach at the highest level on game day. You expect the officials to to do their job at a high level. Um, And again, there's always going to be things that a holding call that goes on call or whatever. But when your quarterback gets sacked by his face mask and you see the head get jerked down, that was not a hard one to see. And so... Just another kick to the gut in what has been a giant kick to the gut season for Carolina football.
2: I think kind of the the odd thing about it was you just – that's kind of what you expected to happen. Oh, yeah, he got tackled by the face mask. They probably won't call it because that's how the year's gone. Right. We've said it. – I've said it on here before. The only person on that field who is not accountable for what they did are the officials. I don't understand that.
1: And I'm sure there'll be a private – Call or uh, say, hey, you know what? We missed that one. Sorry about that. Well, I mean, the only time I can ever remember there being like a big public to do about a big miss call was the Duke Miami game, right. and that's because everybody felt so bad for Duke that that happened again, and and they made a big deal about it in their press conference too afterwards. Let's not forget that. um And so that's the only time I can ever remember it being like a very public thing where the officials had to come out and go, yes things were not done correctly on this play.
2: Don't you think Brandon Harris would like it if everybody had just said, oh, well, he he knows he messed up. He knows he threw three interceptions. So let's just don't make him talk about it. Right. But no, he's going to get asked about it all week.
1: You know, and I think in Brandon Harris's defense, and I mean, the numbers were not good, clearly. But I think Larry Fedora said it correctly. He said it to Mm -hmm. Lee Pace going into the halftime locker room. He said it with us in the postgame. And that was... And, he's, and everybody's long said this about sports. The quarterback gets too much praise, gets too much blame. And Larry Fedora said, Brandon didn't get a whole lot of help out there. And Adam, right now, I'm not sure it matters who plays quarterback for Carolina. I really don't. It, that's not the problem. The problem is they don't have any playmakers on the outside right now, and their offensive line is just so-so right now. And so that's a bad combo, man, when your quarterback is under pressure and he doesn't have somebody he can throw it to and go, hey, help me out. Hey, I'm going to throw you a seven-yard pass. Go make it a 70-yard pass. It's just not It's just not there. At least nobody's proven that they're that guy yet. Um, and so I, I don't know if it really matters. You know, I thought Brandon Harris did a nice job as far as his decisions in the run game and pulling the ball or not pulling the ball, and he ran relatively effectively and – um, yeah, he's got a strong arm. We saw all that, but I just don't know. I just don't know if it if it matters right now.
2: I have a hard time being mad at Brandon Harris. I, know, I do too. I mean, first of all, the guy came to Carolina when he had a million other options, and he thought this was the best place for him. He didn't come here to throw three interceptions. If you look at his numbers at LSU, he was not Peyton Manning. No, but he wasn't the guy we saw Saturday either, which I think goes back to what you just said he had some people around him there and more often than not knew how to take advantage of that. He doesn't have very much around him right now. And that's a struggle. What do you do when you look downfield and everyone's either covered or you don't know if they're going to catch the ball. (laughs) That's not a good situation to be in. If you're the quarterback, because that position is so much about trust and feel and you've, you've, worked out with these guys, and you know them, and it's been four years, and you know they're going to cut before they cut. He doesn't know what they're going to do. They don't know what they're going to do. Half the time, they don't even do what they're supposed to do because they're young, and they've never played before.
1: Yeah, I mean, think about the difference. And now I know the two things I'm comparing here. But think about the last drive against Pittsburgh last year where Trubisky kept finding Switzer – and he kept finding Switzer because he knew where he was going to be. He he, they'd done it a billion times. He knew where he was going to be, and he knew he was going to ninety nine percent chance if he got his hands on it, he was going to catch it. He knew it, and that's just that that trust that that relationship is just not there for a variety of reasons. I mean, for uh, numerous things. Um, I also say. Yeah, Michael Carter is an exciting player. And it wasn't all him making those runs. Carolina blocked him up and it you can see. I mean, when you block a play beautifully, that's the kind of stuff that happens. But man, he he can go. He can hit the hole and he can go. Um, so I think he is an exciting young guy certainly on that side of the ball. And I thought yeah, if you were grading the Tar Heel defense, you would probably give it an A minus because and it would be an A plus except for the one play. And that's going to be, I think, right now the story of the season for Carolina's defense. Anyway, is it got it got so much better, but there was that. There's always that one play that is hurting them, and of course it was that 81 yard touchdown where they missed a couple of tackles on it, and it just you you can't continue to have that play happen because it changed the whole. Carolina was up 14 to 10. You know, had looked good. Yeah, Virginia was inside its own 20 starting the possession. I mean, it was all the things you would want. And then that one play changed it all. The feel.
2: Yeah. And when you play that many snaps, the odds of one being, as Coach Fedora said to you after the game, catastrophic, gets higher. Sure. Every additional time you snap it is another chance something goes wrong. And it, it went wrong on that play. And, I mean, the problem is it's not going to get any easier anytime soon.
1: Oh, no. I mean, next two games are Virginia Tech and Miami, too, um, along with Georgia Tech, who, boy, lost a heartbreaker against Miami this past weekend. I think, you know, those three – although, I mean, shoot, Virginia's 2-0 and in, in the division. Now they've beaten Duke and Carolina, who I think have proven to be the two lowest teams in the coastal division as of this point of the season. Um but, yeah, these next two teams are, are very good that Carolina is going be, to be playing. One of them on the road. So, uh, not going to be easy. Um, anything else from football, Adam, from Saturday?
2: I thought there was a better crowd there than I was expecting.
1: Well, I think 3.30 kick yeah. time helps you. I do think there is a little bit of interest in Carolina-Virginia just because it is an, a traditional rival for the Tar Heels. Um, But I do think that goes to how important the kick time is. If that game was at noon, it would the crowd would not have been as good. It was also family weekend, so I mean, I know there were a lot of kind of parents back because, of course, I did the legacy pinning ceremony, as you know, on Sunday. Um, So I do think there there were a lot of people back for that as well. Um, But I I, it just shows you the importance of kick times, man. You are never. Unless it's number one against number two in the country, a 12 o'clock kick is just not going to bring the same energy as a 330 ever. Ever. I mean, we've seen much better Carolina teams kick off against much better opponents at noon and have much worse crowds than there was on Saturday. Yeah. For i I'm going to be honest with you, a Tar Heel team that we know is struggling, and Virginia, whose record is pretty good, but I think is kind of average. Yeah. But, I mean, I'm not taking anything away from them. They're 5-1 and, and good for them. But I don't think Virginia is a buzzsaw this year. I think they're getting better, but not a buzz right. All right, Adam, let's go to your list. What we got? What's on the top of Adam's yeah. list? Brought yeah. to you by Top of the Hill, where Tar Heels come to celebrate.
2: I got some good things on the list today. Oh, baby. Okay. You got to read... The Alex Taylor Lily story on Twitter.
1: Oh, you know what? That's gonna be our. How can you justify that? Yeah, we are gonna have the uh, a a listener submitted. How can you justify that? From was it? I guess it was from Friday, right? Yes. So this is Alex uh, Taylor Lily on Twitter. She follows the pod. She's at Tay underscore. Lilay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So she sent us a, uh, a sequence of tweets that goes like this. She says, so my boyfriend and I had planned on traveling from Florence, South Carolina to Chapel Hill tonight for late night with Roy. Next tweet. We figured that leaving after my last class at three. I don't know if Alex is in college, I guess. Maybe. I don't know. Um, last class at three. We'd be able to get to Chapel Hill on time. Wrong in all caps, Adam. Her boyfriend, or she said, my boyfriend had to get an oil change, so he drops his truck off at the auto shop at noon. After waiting around for more than five hours, it's finally done. First of all, what's yeah, Jiffy Loop? Go yeah. to Jiffy Lube. What kind of auto shop are you going to? <laughs> well, also in all caps, not only was it already past time to leave, but her boyfriend forgot to take his UNC clothes to change into. Come on, buddy. Yeah. Hashtag. Okay, so so he gets out of the shower she says she's ready to leave and we realize he doesn't have any (laughs) any pants at my house so he decides to wear my pants (laughs) she then says so before you imagine my boyfriend wearing short shorts which i'm glad she jumped on this uh topic early so i'll tell you they were a pair of sweatpants that i had originally bought for him So after a five-hour oil change and a new pair of sweatpants, my boyfriend decides that we'll just go to next year's Late Night with Roy. Maybe they'll have another championship banner to reveal, and then she gives uh, the, the face palm emoji. But then later on, she did send a nice picture of them uh, going out to eat that night, and they were grabbing a bite. So turned- Oh, I didn't see that one. Oh yeah, so it turned out all right. Well, Was he Adam,
2: still wearing the sweatpants? Uh,
1: hold on, here they are. See, look, they went out and grabbed something to eat afterwards. So hard to all right. tell
2: if he's wearing sweatpants.
1: He's got yeah, he's got he's got his uh, he does have a Tariel Championship shirt. He's on
2: got there. the banner on his shirt. Yeah, he didn't get to see the actual banner.
1: So here's what I think- so hold on. So Adam, let me just first say okay that this set of tweets is indeed today's. How can you justify that?
0: I do not have to justify. How can you justify what you've done? How,
1: can you justify, my love? How do you justify? Justicide. How can you possibly
2: justify <laughs> that?
1: All right, go ahead.
2: What an honor for Taytay <laughs> Lily.
1: <laughs> yeah, no doubt.
2: Here's what I think we have to do. Okay. Because her boyfriend totally blew it. Yeah. Both with his. Fumble! <laughs> with his endless oil change, <laughs> followed by not having pants. <laughs> and I don't know which one of those two things is the bigger fumble.
1: <laughs> what we would. No, l- well, you know that dude didn't go into Friday going, you know what? I feel like I need to have a five-hour oil change today and then lose my pants. I'm leaving my pants. <laughs> Don't need these pants, for sure. <laughs> it's
2: late night. It's much more casual. No pants. Here's what I think we need to do. We would like to invite oh. Alex Tay-Tay Lille <laughs> to the first home basketball game. Wow. So we've got two tickets for it. Now, here's the thing, Tay-Tay. You can either bring your boyfriend who doesn't wear pants yeah. or bring someone more reliable.
1: But if he if he if he's gonna come, he needs to be fully dressed. Yeah, he needs if he's joining you on the trip, he needs to be appropriately dressed.
2: And he needs to take care of all auto all- service yeah. earlier in the week. The game's on a Friday. Yeah. So we're we've got this same Friday issue. So he needs to have his tires fully inflated. He needs to do all the things you need to do to make your car run, and he needs to wear pants. Man. And if you can meet all those things or bring someone more reliable, we've got two tickets for you courtesy of the pod wow. to, to come to the game and you can see the banner in person.
1: Wow. What a moment. So, Alex Taylor Lilly. Hit up our DMs. I don't
2: know if yeah,
1: you, you may or may not have said that correctly. <laughs> all right, go ahead. What a
2: great story. Uh, now, also
1: on. Gosh, we have a ton of Twitter stuff.
2: Yeah, well, and also on Twitter, what about the Photoshop we got on Monday from Josh Pruitt?
1: Yeah, this is pretty incredible. So I think was it Vaughn and Deb Johnson who sent us the original I think picture? Right. Okay, so they sent us this picture. It said courtesy of at Garden and Gun. Yeah, good job, Garden and Gun. And I, I don't I don't know why this was in there. Do you know why? No. Like, I can't I can't possibly think of a reason. There's a statue. Am I supposed to know who the statue is of? I, I don't know. And for some reason, he is eating grits. <laughs> The statue is eating grits. And so Vaughn and Deb Johnson sent it to us, at courtesy of At Garden Gun, see you later, Big Grits. So then uh, we sent out, because we know we have a lot of talented Photoshoppers out there, and asked if somebody could make some magic with the this particular photo. And Josh Pruitt responded like a champion. <laughs> if you haven't had a chance to see it, please go to our Twitter timeline, at Carolina underscore pod.
2: Well, we need to retweet it. Yeah, I don't o- think we have yet. Okay, but All we right. will by the time you hear this.
1: I'm gonna re I'm gonna retweet it right now.
2: Maybe we'll even put it on Instagram. That's how social media savvy we are.
1: It is an incredible look. I am I'm quote tweeting this right now.
2: That's a lot of pressure. I hope you don't mess up while you're typing.
1: Um, that's Inception, man. Okay, see you later, big crits. All right, here it goes. All right, so it is now out there. What an incredible. Photo this, or Photoshop, or it's got a championship trophy in there. It's got all of the NBA teams that Eric played for. It has uh, Eric's face on <laughs> the statue. <laughs> the statue is wearing Eric's Carolina jersey. It's an incredible moment, really, for us all. So uh, you have to check that out.
2: I don't know what Josh's day job is. Who I d- hope d- who it's did professional the photoshop- Photoshopper. Yeah. I mean, he's probably like a heart surgeon or something. And yeah. so he took a break while somebody was on the table and was like, hold on. I got to do this for Jones and Adam
1: guys. I'm busy. It-, it
2: was totally worth it.
1: Um, So please. Yes. Make sure you check that out. Great work um, before you, and you may, uh, you may have this on your list, Adam, but Dennis Goss sent a tweet to the Carolina pod account as well. And said that he was at a Rams club event and saw big grits. And, Dennis, who is a big-time Tario fan, very active, always sends us great questions for the coaches' shows too, says uh, <laughs> says that he approached Eric and said, "Hello, Mr. Montross. Montross, do you like it that Jones and Adam call you Big Grits, or do you find that annoying?" <laughs> and he said, "And the best part about this is Dennis, as he was tweeting this, put like DG for Dennis Goss, and that was how <laughs> he let us know that he was asking the question. And then for Eric's response, he put BG <laughs> for Big Grits. And he says that Eric continued by saying." Big Grits is okay. I think it's Jones and Adam that are annoying. That sounds like some Eric would say. That's fine. Ah, ah I hear you, Big Grits. <laughs> I know you're. I know you're hearing this, Big Grits.
2: <laughs> it's in your house.
1: <laughs> All right. Sorry. What else you got?
2: <sighs> okay. Uh, one slightly more serious one before oh. I deviate again. Uh, I was sitting right behind Baby Jet's family oh. on Friday night. It was awesome to see how excited they were. Of course, that's also Kenny Smith's kids also. Sure. Their dad and their brother were out there. Um, It was awesome to see how excited they were, A, that KJ was on the team and looking around and just seeing all the stuff. And and KJ's younger brother, Malloy, looked up in the rafters, and he was kind of going through them all like, there's Justin Jackson. Then he got to 30 Smith, and he was like, Hey! There's Smith up there and he was so excited. Yeah. And it was just cool to remember that, you know, we see him out on the court, but they do have actual families, and even I think we can agree. The Jets family is one of the coolest families of them all. Yeah. Because he's the Jet. Any even a, a super cool family like that gets really excited when they see their brother or son or whatever get to be a Tar heel, get to run out on the Smith Center court and play basketball. It was just nice to remember there's actual real people there.
1: Seems like The proper fit. And I know KJ Smith wanted to have a scholarship. I mean, I I know why he didn't come to Carolina originally. Seems like the right fit to have him as a part of Carolina basketball. It just does. I mean, and like when he came out of the tunnel, he even did the little jet kind of thing. He acted like he was a jet flying. Ah, That's right, KJ. Do it. (laughs) Now, of course, he can't play this year, but he can practice and uh, be a part of the team, but uh, can't play this year. Say funny things. Right.
2: he, He can still contribute. Yeah. Uh, okay, two more things. We're going to end with the most important thing of the day. But before that, uh, so the fair. Have oh, you gone yet?
1: I have not gone. Are you gone? I am likely not going to what? go because the rest of the Angel family is going to be going with uh, some grandparents later this week. So I don't think, uh, I think I'm off the hook. You're and not there, a big fair fan. I don't dislike the fair. I don't. Um, but I wouldn't say I like the fair either. I'd say I'm neutral on the fair. I will go to the fair, but it's not something I seek out.
2: I think we should have a booth at the fair <laughs> to,
1: to do what? I don't know.
2: What are all those other people doing just to meet people? Just to be friendly, shake hands, sell a ham biscuit every now and then. Yeah. Come on in and get your country <laughs> yeah. ham
1: biscuit. you have been, you've, you could maybe weave some stuff. Yeah.
2: You could guess people's weight and birthday.
1: Oh yeah. 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 Maybe. Yeah. Maybe I, next year. I went, maybe too late for this year.
2: Yeah, probably. I think, yeah, we're going to miss the deadline. Um, I went, and I went on Friday, which was the same day that some other things happened, as you might remember. Right. And uh, I <laughs> luckily, I was with people more mature than me, by which I mean my kids and my wife. And they prevented me from doing what I really wanted to do, which was going to some of the airbrush T-shirt stands <laughs> and getting a custom one made uh, with my own uh, message that I wanted to have made. And they would not let me, which in hindsight was probably the right call.
1: Probably a good move.
2: That's why you have you people gotta have, you gotta have wiser people. than you. Yeah.
1: you got to have people to keep you in check. you know.
2: got to keep good counsel. Yeah. Okay, now, Oh. the most important thing of the weekend, this has been brought up to me by numerous people, including some a very, very loyal pod listener who accosted me at the football game on Saturday oh. and said that we must address this. Okay, I'm ready. Let's talk about these shorts on Friday night.
1: Okay. I don't love them. I don't mind the thicker Argyle. I don't mind that. I'm I don't, not sure
2: it's the thicker Argyle that troubles no. people, Jens.
1: I don't love the thicker Argyle, but I don't... I don't... It doesn't bother me. Not going to say I'm a huge fan <laughs> of the NC right in the middle front part <laughs> of the shorts.
2: <laughs> Did they not put them on a person before... They sent them out into the world. Do you think, like, were they just looking at them on the screen and they were like, yeah, that's good. But here's what totally blows my mind. This is how I know for sure I'm ancient. Apparently those were designed by some super cool designer guy Mm. and were sold for $250 per pair of shorts and sold out on the first day. Somewhere there's whatever the run was of those shorts amount of people willing to pay $250 for shorts with the NC right on the, what'd you call it? The middle front? The front middle. Front middle. I If you paid me $250, I'm not sure I'd wear the shorts with the NC on the front middle. But good job, Jordan Brand, and that fancy designer guy. I think his name was like Don C or something. He's so fancy, he doesn't even have a full last name. Right. Just an initial those well, and the best was the people who thought those were the game shorts for this year. did you get some messages from those people oh, I, I did
1: I was unaware that they weren't. I'm glad they're not oh, oh. good are they just like practice shorts
2: where have you been no, those no. are those aren't the game shorts
1: oh well that's good
2: uh if those were the game shorts, we'd be having a serious talk and not a haha talk <laughs> because there would need to be a protest and some signs yeah, and the only sign you need would be a picture of Luke may wearing the shorts. <laughs>
1: You know who probably would like a pair of those shorts?
2: I don't know anyone.
1: Alex Taylor Lilly's boyfriend.
2: (laughs) Is that better than (laughs) no pants or not? I don't know. Like, if you had the choice between I got to wear girl sweatpants or shorts with the logo on the front middle. She bought
1: the sweatpants originally for him. That's
2: what I would say, too, if my boyfriend was wearing girl sweatpants (laughs) out at the restaurant. Which would you rather wear if you had to choose? You've got to go out in public wearing.
1: <laughs> I'd wear I'd wear the NC shorts. Come
2: on, dude! Would you pose with your arms crossed yeah. while you're? Doing yeah,
1: <laughs> I'd cross my arms. I'd have the NC shorts on, and uh, I'd I'd own it. I think I'd like it. A couple other things, real fast. Did you see that uh, Mark Armstrong over at W or at ABC WTVD? Threw out a big how do you justify that about something else on Twitter. What? Yeah. Had to quickly retweet that and say, I think we have that trademark, sir.
2: Well, can't wait for that royalty check to come yeah. in. But yeah. look, if we gotta respect music rights elsewhere, you better respect yeah. pod rights here.
1: Brad Hoke uh sent us a tweet, wanted to know if we could do an NPR like pod-a-thon to get new Rams Club members pod a day for a week and uh with a guest and giveaways. He said the giveaways could include a meal at cookout with uh, the pod host of your choosing, uh, Adam's book, or you could sit in Pod World headquarters for a taping of the pod. Wow. All would go to a good cause. Which, by the way, Adam, we had a couple people uh, reach out to us on Twitter and say that they, after hearing the pod, were sparked to join the Rams Cup. What a great – if we don't do anything else, that's great to hear.
2: Yeah, that's awesome. We appreciate everybody doing that.
1: And you uh, talked to John Montgomery, and he said that he had gotten a lot of response from his pod
2: interview. John Montgomery came up to me at late night and goes, if I had known people actually listened to that thing, I probably would have done it a little differently. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, thank you. I'm not, or maybe what's wrong with you? I wasn't sure what to say. I was like, oh, that's good, I guess. But so he said he had gotten a lot of positive response, and the Rams Globe office had been getting a lot of calls. Awesome. So that's good.
1: All right, later this week. Oh, don't forget, Adam. Oh, yeah, that's right. We're right on the precipice of greatness on Wednesday, 8 o'clock. Oh, seven seven o'clock, o'clock, 7 o'clock.
2: If you get there at 8, you will miss the whole thing.
1: Yeah. Wednesday, 7 o'clock, Flyleaf Books, Chapel Hill. Adam and I will be there with Steve Kirchner and Matt Bowers. Adam, Steve, Matt, the three authors of the championship book, and I'll just be there in my NC on the front middle <laughs> shorts <laughs> hanging out. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think that's the problem Right So <laughs> uh,
1: Looking forward to that Hope you can join us If you're in the area We'll have a good time I kind of feel like Luke, Luke May Feel like a good oh, choice good. Uh, yeah. Basketball season Around the corner Yep You got Luke May to, to lead us off here Or to send us off I should say um, Later in the week We'll be back Have a good guest uh, We'll talk about Carolina Virginia Tech And who knows what else So we'll see you next time Luke May Get us out of here On the Carolina Inside. See you later Big Grits